What's up, everybody? My name is Adam, and I'm the host of the You Know Adam Same podcast, the show that is dedicated on bringing on passionate people, learning about their stories, and delivering value to entrepreneurs. So if that's what you're interested in, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the You Know Adam Same podcast, where you get to know just a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Today, sitting across the way is Jorge Gonzalez with JG Training. He's also a coach for the Tormenta FC. Welcome to the show. I appreciate it for having me. Yes. It's a pleasure. Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited to talk, to, speak with you. Uh, I've actually you know, heard uh, we have a lot of mutual friends. Uh, and everybody that, uh, when they found out that I was going to bring you on to the show, they were super excited about you being on. So uh, super, you know, looking forward to what we're going to get into. But I have to ask, how did you get into the sport? So how I got into the sport and just like how everyone talks about it, your parent. Right? Okay. My dad loved soccer. My mom, there's not an athletic bone in her body. <laughs> Love the woman today, but there's no athletic bone in her body. She's starting to work out now because, you know, She's getting to that age of like, hey, I need to start working out. But yeah, it's gone from my dad. The passion was there. Drove it, instilled it in me. And, you know, fast forward several years, just grew to love it. Uh-huh. And there was a couple of things that happened along the way where, you know, a couple of people from the gym and mutual friends, they all, once the ice is broken and they feel comfortable around me, I've got a, a scar on my right leg. Uh-huh. And a lot of people are like, hey, you've got a scar on your right leg. And I love it because, you know, for me, Christianity and my faith is really important. Mm. And it allows me to also bring that into the light. Uh And, you know, what happened, and I'll say it. So I was close to being paralyzed. I've got 41 stitches on my right leg. I didn't pay attention to my mom. She said, don't do that. I went and did it. You know, as a kid, you sometimes disobey parents. And kind of had that cut. And then I was out of the game for nine months. But then I was able to play because... How old were you doing this I was probably like 12 or 13. Okay. And so that also allowed me to just, I just love the game because it almost got taken away from me. Mm. And so from there, it's just that that passion grew for the game. And so, you know, that's kind of both and parent and that surgery. What did mom tell you not to do? So she, we were going out on a trip and all my friends were playing outside. And she goes, and as every kid, you go ask one parent. My mom was like, hey, don't go out. We're about to leave. Uh-huh. So what does one do? Dad, hey, can I go out? What did your mom say? Oh, I don't know what mom said. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. So ultimately, we can blame my dad for it. Uh... <laughs> but he had no idea. So it was my fault. I should have just listened to my mom. And that sure. would be my, my one take. If any 12 to 14-year-old, if your parent says no, just pay attention to them. Love that. Love that. And you put that into you know the, the kids that you coach now. Yeah, right? 100%. I think that's also lent myself to share that story with them and be like, you know, when you're that age, you think you know the, everything. Yeah. And when you're 15 and 16, and more so for me with the boys is, they all think they know everything. Yeah. The ins and outs because I was there. Sure. You know, so your parents have been there, have done it. They've lived four or five, you know, centuries. Sure. They know a little bit more than you think, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? And so that's kind of my thing, what I tell a lot of those young men more so. The girls is, you know, just caring and making them better athletes. For the boys is, I can pour into their lives. I love you know? that. So that's kind of how I use that story that's really cool uh let's talk a little bit about where where you're from so where are you originally from so originally from colombia south okay. america okay. so a few people are like hold on but you've got a british accent sure like, and that was a server so that was you know my go-to to <laughs> the that was the amazing thing yeah i, I, I really eyes. like your voice on, on the <laughs> podcast that's yeah, what yeah. I'm, yeah. so yeah. everyone's like hold on but you you look latino sure 
but you definitely don't sound like Latinos. Sure. I'm like, yeah, so I moved to London when I was six, seven years old. Mm-hmm. And so when I do speak Spanish, I don't have a British accent. Okay. And people are like, I was like, I honestly don't know how that works, but it's just how it is. Is it, is it in, uh, so your family immigrated there? Yeah, so we immigrated to London and a lot of people like, you know, Colombia to the US would have made more sense. Um, so my dad's sister, my auntie, she was in um, already in London. She met this Italian guy. And to be fair, there was no Tinder. There was no Bumble. There was no Hinge. So I've got no idea how she met this Italian guy, <laughs> to be honest with you. But fair play, you know, that opened the door for us to go there. So we went in 98, 99. We were immigrants for a while. Um, you know, the queen, obviously, rest in peace. She came out with an amnesty that allowed anyone who entered the country and had a kid within a certain age range you can go and get your residency. Gotcha. That put us in that kind of bracket. And I know it's difficult actually to get um, immunized in like in that. Yeah. Era, right? So for a while, actually, it was really tough. So when you declare immigrant status, my dad, my mom, not didn't have to do it. My dad had to go and sign every two weeks at this place, and you have to say, you know, you're not working because you got uh, some sort of government help, which isn't a lot. You're grateful for it, of sure. course. So you would have to go and sign. And to the best of my knowledge, I remember one time they actually held him and they were going to deport him just wow. just because. So he was locked He was locked and ready to be sent back uh, for like 24 hours, close to 48, somewhere around that region. Uh-huh. But a lawyer got involved and they're like, no, he's got a son here. So that was kind of a scare for a moment. Um, but yeah, so if you had kids, I will say this, like there was a... They really did do take care of you. You know, mm-hmm. the schooling system, the, you know, after school programs, all these things, you know, that when I look back now, I'm like, hold on, all these other companies were amazing. You know, mm-hmm. they took us, I still remember Jack and the Beanstalk Theatre play. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, I'm 30 and that was probably 20 plus years ago. And I still remember being taken to this theatre play. You know, they gave us this collection of Legos and, you know, Christmas gifts, all these things. So I'm like, you know, you remember those moments. So it is very hard to get your citizenship and paperwork. But there's a lot of, um, I guess, benefits. businesses and benefits mm-hmm. and people who really do take care of that sort of individual. Got you. That's amazing. Um, so was soccer an element of your life in Colombia? Um, from as far as I remember, yes. Okay. Uh, now, when I when I think about being three, four, five, and six years old, I don't have that much memory sure, from those spells. But I do remember be seeing pictures and videos. I was there was always a soccer ball involved. Got you. So soccer has always been the sport I played. Uh huh. Don't get me playing basketball or anything. Like that. I can't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so you know, what was your uh, first memory of soccer? I guess in your new home. When yeah. You so moved? I, you know, you just asking me that, and right off the cuff. So where we used to live, there was a hotel. So you've seen the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, right? Yep. Picture the immigrant version of that. Okay. So just kids from all over the world, right? Okay. It's not their bells and whistles. Like we're talking half a star building, okay. no, not five star. Okay. okay. But everyone would meet on the first floor because it was the biggest corridor and you can simulate two goals on either end and it was carpet. Mm-hmm. So if you're slide tackling, you'll get a carpet burn. Yeah. And that's what we played. You yeah. know, that's my, you know, you asking me that question, that's what I remember. Yeah. Just all the kids from, you know, third, fourth floor, the first floor, the basement and the ground floor, everyone would meet there uh-huh. and play pickup in this carpet kind of, that was our stadium. <laughs> you know, yeah. that was our Wembley for us. Yeah. Have you ever been back? I've gone back to London. Yeah. Uh, I, so obviously with Tormenta, I've got a couple of duties there. Okay. With the first team. So usually I go back Christmas time and I love it. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, but it gets dark and it's raining. Yeah. 
I still love it. Yeah. Um, I kind of alternate between going Colombia and going to London. Mm-hmm. So I think two or three years ago, I went back to London. I always go back to that area where I grew up because across from it, where we lived, there's an ice rink and, you know, this a big community like the Turkish community so all the food all that stuff is amazing over yeah. there so I still go back and visit to that area and London obviously my, my mom dad brother still there so uh-huh. there's That's a reason great. to go and a lot of good friends That's awesome uh, So you know moving forward a little bit you know you're, you're playing a lot of soccer in this uh you know, stadium that is, uh, is it on like, which floor is it on? It's on the first floor. First floor. Yeah. Um, you know, having a ton of fun. Uh, when do you start playing organized? So I think I started playing organized even during that period of time. It was probably like 13, 14, where my mom, and I give her a lot of credit, she would ask a lot of her friends, hey, where are your sons playing? Uh-huh. Because we didn't really know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it's just, hey, getting plugged in. And that's kind of how it started. Um, we got plugged in with one team. I never got as far as, you know, there's a lot of players in this country that have played academy. You know, I got to Arsenal Advance, which, you know, people hear the word Arsenal, oh, Premier League and stuff. I never got to the academy. I'm not, mm. I mean, I'm not going to highlight myself like that. Um, so that was kind of where I got to learn my trait and really improve. Um, but then I played for a team called Haringey Borough, which is when you think of county teams, that's uh-huh. kind of what it is. It, I Understand. played for a county team and that was you know the progression you know okay. you join the local team and then you start going up from there obviously every kid has a dream even kids are coaching out i want to be pro awesome you need you want that dream because it shows you've got a burning desire not everyone makes it sure. in, and sports across not just soccer so that's kind of the progression i had i joined the local team then picked up by another team and you know it was probably the ages of 13 to 14 where i was like i, I want to do this mm-hmm. and just went from there how much fun did you have back then? Oh, it was unreal. Uh, I will say this. You know, my dad definitely grew my thick skin. Yeah. It was like a frustrated dream for him. So as I got older, and I thank him, I still thank him for it. I was like, it was hard love. Maybe I don't advise any dad to do this. What do you do? So he sits on the sideline, you know, and he'll like cuss me out if I'm not <laughs> chucking back. And I'm not going to say the words. You know, they're in Spanish. You can just imagine what yeah. they were. And I'm like, yo, I'm 14. Yeah. And I, I will always remember this story. He came to watch me play one time and I was 16, 17. So I was a little bit older. And like, I, you know, backtracking where I told you every kid who's 16, 17 thinks they know it all. Sure. So I thought, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And so he's shouting and I just remember I do this gesture. I don't say anything. I just uh, go like that. Uh-huh. And I felt, I just felt the burning look from him. <laughs> I was like, oh man. Like, I'm going to feel that later. Uh, yeah. So I get in the car like, and he just laid it into me. Oh. And so if I ever played good, he never he would just say, hey, good job. If I played bad, oh, he, he would have a repertoire. Why, why is it like that? Because I, I, I'll tell yeah. you, like, I get that same experience. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of people uh, don't understand here, right? We're all about, oh, yes, like, you're, everything's great, everything's mm-hmm. good. But uh, why do you think that was the case? I think part of it is the f- uh, frustrated dream. Like, he mm. wanted to be a pro. He never got to be a pro. So he wants his son to be a pro so he can live gloriously through him. Because sure. I've had this conversation. So there's definitely that. I think the other piece is your parents see a potential, right? And sometimes, and I'm not saying all parents, some parents just, hey, no, it's okay, good stuff. Like, no, like, tap into that potential. Just find a way to unlock it. Mm. And I don't think my dad did it the right way. Yeah, He still unlocked it eventually. Yeah but it grew thick skin in me. And that's what I'm really thankful for because I had a lot of coaches after he, after that that were, you know, 
they would tell you what you're about to die from you know, and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, you just rub off it, like sure. water, on a, water on a skin. Because of those moments, I was like, okay, I can deal with anything. Yeah. You know, I became mentally strong. And, and I've seen with generations, it's all changed a little bit, mm-hmm. that mental side of the game. And so it, I think the culture is also, it plays a massive part. You know, uh, I think the Colombian culture is all about, sp- not all about sports, but mm-hmm. sports plays a very big role in the investment of kids. Sure. And so I think that's a that's a key thing for parents is they see and they want your kid to you know be the best they can be, mm-hmm. just finding the way to do it. Yeah, I I, I want to share kind of like a something from my past mm-hmm. um, that I'm so thankful for. But I I always think about this uh, when you know I have this conversation, and it's really like when I was younger, music was really like forced into me. So meaning like I would have to practice an hour every single day, even if I didn't want to. It was like basically a strict thing that I had to do. And I remember, you know, having moments where it's like, okay, you didn't do your practice day. Why why didn't you do that? Right. Like feeling kind of like the discipline. Um, But it's given me a like looking back on it now. I'm so thankful for that. Right. So it's like, you know, having one of those things where as a child, you don't really know the value of what your parents are doing until it gets to like when you're older, right? Because as a kid, you don't really know, like, you know, you're, you were talking about potential. I didn't know I had that potential, but they saw it. So being so grateful for that opportunity, I think is huge. Yeah, Yeah, no, and that's a great example. Mm -hmm. When you're forced to train or practice something by a parent, and when you don't want to do it, that's when it matters most. Mm because it just shows you, there's like a 1% and you're like, okay, I don't wanna do it, but I've gotta do it. Mm -hmm. And when you say that to yourself, it's like you're tapping now into that region of when you get tired, can you get up and get going? Love that. If you feel some sort of fatigueness, well, what are you gonna do to remove that fatigue? Are you just gonna lay down and be a lazy person? Mm -hmm. Or are you gonna try and fix it? That's right. And so that's what those moments taught me. Was it right or wrong? I think there's a better way of doing it. But, you know, I'll, I'll let each parent, you know, learn that process. That's awesome. Uh, so let's move forward a little bit. Uh, you're still playing, I guess, is it called club? Uh, so, yeah, I was still playing. I, after that, I came up to America and played college. Okay. So I did college soccer for four, seasons, four Where years. Where did you play at? Bryan College. Okay. In Dayton, Tennessee. Uh-huh. And how was that process like? So, again, it was honestly a miracle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, so I had already applied for a university in England. I was going to go to a school in Southampton. I was already going to play. And so in England, you've got something called half term, which is similar to a winter break or a spring break. And a coach of mine got the opportunity to go out to Chicago for, I think, a week, six days. And he picked two players. Out of those two players, he picked me and another teammate. Why do you do that? Um, Why you? Well, I think for me, I think he saw, again, people are like, oh, favorites, favorites. And my little brother, and we'll get to the story of when you use that excuse of favoritism, favoritism. I think part of me is I was so disciplined Mm. and we had an unreal team, right? Ballers, like we were a very good team, but a lot of guys don't have a discipline. Mm. You know, they're, you know, and they were mugging people, stealing from people. Oh, jeez. Yeah. (laughs) And so they were great footballers, but off the field, there was no discipline. Mm. And that's just what I think my dad is. He caught me in line. So when I was at that age, when I was, you know, going from training by myself, I was like, no, I'm going home yeah. or I'm going to the gym. Yeah. So the coach saw that, like, I was disciplined. I knew I wanted to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Where it was, I wasn't sure. But he knew my head was on straight. So I think 
it was hey you've earned it yeah you know here you go and it was the first he was one of the first few coaches his name is ben corbin i still you know stay shout in touch out with him. yeah shout out ben for that you know yeah. um i still remember those moments because you know there's a lot of struggles as you grow as a young player and there's always a coach or two you always remember mm. and so he 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 really you know i think found value in me as a player and so i think that's why i was chosen and i was like awesome you know and there's going to be envy people you know, mm-hmm. envious, jealousy, all those stuff. It's net is nature. Sure. Right? It's a human nature to when you're when someone is succeeding, can you leave that aside and be happy for them? Yeah. And that's tough to do because mm. I find myself being like, Frank, why is he there and I'm not there? Yeah. No, that's not the right way. No, that's awesome that he succeeded. That's right. He's setting the, the pathway for other people to do it. That's right. And so he went, he asked the coaches, Hey, can we go, you know, can I bring two guys? Sure. And so fast forward, we go to Chicago. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It's like a little PR thing from a former US player. And we're staying in, a, yeah, I think, Motel 6. Uh-huh. And so obviously, I, I don't have an idea what Motel 6 until I'm out. I'm like, you guys put us in a Motel 6? <laughs> really? But I just, at the time, I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, I'm in, I'm in the US. And, you know, that's where my love for Chipotle comes in. Chipotle, I want the black card, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah. Because that's what we went to eat first. Uh-huh. Uh, Miley Cyrus song, Party in the USA, was out uh, during that period of time. I still remember that. It played at, like, yeah, when you were there. When we were arriving, it was kind of big. <laughs> as well. I'm like, yes, this is a party. Like, let's go. Uh-huh. We were good times. But as I were nearing towards me leaving, let's say it was a Thursday, I was flying back on a Saturday. I get yeah. a call from a head coach, Sandy Sanson, who's a great mentor, great Your guy. Your head coach? He was a head coach at Bryan College. Okay. Where eventually I ended up going. How did he? How did he find you? So there was a guy who was coaching in Chicago, who was who got the assistant coaching job. Uh, and Brian, yeah, Keen, okay. K. Keen, uh-huh. and he basically told the coach, "I got these two guys for us." And again, I had been praying like previous to that. I was I've been praying like God just open doors. If Southampton's it, like I still want to play football. I don't know what's out there. You know, there was a lot of people do agencies. I don't have money for that. So I get a call on Thursday, Coach Z. And he goes, hey, I've got a scholarship, this amount. Come to realize there's a full ride still available. Wow. I think you're t- looking at February, March. So college coaches, when you think about having a full ride, either they waited long to recruit or I was just blessed. And so he just said, you've got to say yes or no on the phone. I was like, I've never heard that amount of zeros in my life. Sure. So I've made this decision to move to the US for the next four years without talking to my mom. <laughs> Well, talking to my dad, I've just said yes to something that's going to change my life completely. Wow. So I get on the phone with my mom. Hey, um, something's just happened. (laughs) I'm about to move to the US come August. And it's not just for vacation. I'm going to go school. And for four years, she's like, no, you're getting on a plane on Saturday to London. Uh And you aren't leaving. (laughs) (laughs) So the next thing I do, I call my uh, my auntie, her Uh sister. Hey, like, I've got this great opportunity. Yeah. By the time I get to London, Uh your job is to convince my (laughs) mum. So I arrive in London. We have a sit down. And I tell my mum, look, I really want to do this. Yeah. And she, you know, she wasn't pushed back on it. Sure, sure. She was really supportive. Um, and then I just started doing all the paperwork myself. I had to figure out how to get a visa. Wow. And I had a lot of help from people over here. And there was a lot of things that we had to show paperwork to the U.S. Embassy. And that's kind of how the 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 journey started with the U.S. Embassy. The amount of visas I've had, I can't tell you. And they've, they've all been, you know, straight shot, legal stuff. Sure. But learning the process is tough. Yeah. You know? And everyone who has to do it is, you know, fair play. Because there's a lot of hurdles you've got to jump, a lot of, you know, help you've got to ask for. And, that also taught me 
don't do things alone. Sometimes just ask for help. Yeah. Because if someone says, hey, they can't do it, they can't do it. Sure. But there's people out there that are willing to help. That's right. So that's kind of how that journey came about to the way I ended up in Dayton, Tennessee. Love that. So you get to Tennessee. What What is that like? It, what is so, what, what is this like, you know, this kind of like, you know, you're coming from another country. Exactly. I'm coming from London. Yeah. yeah, I still remember it. So I arrived in Chicago because my connection flight was Chicago to Chattanooga. Okay. Missed my flight. And I'm like, no, the connecting flight was oh, the, okay. as it happens, you know. Sure, sure. And I called the head coach. I'm like, hey, like, I'm not getting to Chattanooga, but I'm stuck in Chicago. Where can I go next? Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm still not understanding how big the U.S. is. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm thinking London, like four hours, you're almost to yeah, Scotland yeah, yeah. on a car ride. Yeah. You know, a 45 minute plane ride, you're in another country. Okay. And he goes, well, go to Knoxville. I'll pick you up. I'm like, okay, sure. Get to Knoxville, picks me up, takes okay. me to this really fancy Asian restaurant. And okay. I can't, was it P.F. Chang's? Okay. Or, or something like that. Okay, and I was yeah, like, P.F. Chang's oh, is, a, ch- is yeah. a ch- Yeah. And he took me there and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. That was the last time I had a really fancy. Yeah. <laughs> then I, was, <laughs> I was eating in the cafeteria after that. <laughs> I was like, oh, you got me good. You got me good. <laughs> so then we're driving, it's a three hour drive from Knoxville to Dayton. I'm like, how long are we in this car for? Yeah. So I remember going over this hill and I think Dayton's grown now, uh-huh. but there was a Walmart. McDonald's, Subway, and a Wendy's. That's it. That's it. And it might have been like a couple of Mexican restaurants, but small. I'm like, okay. Like, I was like, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> I've just come from London, and now I can count in my hand what I can do here. Yeah. In London, there's an endless amount of stuff to do. Yeah. But the awesome thing was, you know, the people that were already there. We had a great, great culture that uh-huh. was already installed. You're talking people. about the team. The team, okay. and like everyone who came from abroad really felt at home. Even though we were in the middle of nowhere, nothing to do. We had, you know, guys from Mexico, Germany, other Englishmen, you know, we had Brazilians. So mm-hmm. I had that South American culture. We had that British culture where I felt like home. And we had a very, very good team. So that's kind of how it all panned out and what ended up working out. That's awesome. So it felt like home. Yeah. Made it home. So So you went there for four years. Mm-hmm. What'd you study? So I did business admin. Okay. I thought about doing sports science, which now in my roles with everything I want to keep growing and doing, it's, you know, being a director in sports performance, eventually sure. doing, you know, dire- director of coaching or being a coach and all these things. It would have made sense to do sports science. Sure. I had no intention to learn anything about biology, anatomy, all these ologies. Uh-huh. I was like, you know, yeah, we we gonna, we gonna do business. Yeah, admin. we're gonna do business admin. <laughs> that's the way to go. Um, and so that's what I ended up doing. I did a minor in communications. Okay. You know, we had this professor, South African guy, really, really great professor. I was like, I can do a minor. Uh-huh. So went and did that. Um, did a couple of sports science classes. Didn't get enough credits to do it. Uh-huh. Um, after four years, Joey Johnson, who's a mentor of mine, moved to Reinhardt. And so he asked me, hey, do you want to be my assistant? I said, sure. Assistant? Assistant coach for okay. him. You know, uh, and now Reinhardt is? It's a school in Georgia. So okay, now it's 2014. Now I've made my transition to Reinhardt University. Okay. I was like, sure, let's do it. Sure. So shift over. Uh, I do a season. And there's a lot of things that happen where I mess up as an assistant coach. And I'm glad I messed up mm. because it taught me hey, what not to do, mm-hmm. how to have that connect. Because as an assistant coach, you work as the bridge between the player and the head coach. Sure. And you want to be very effective and as professional as you can. Well, I messed up a whole lot. Mm. You know, you talk about being invited by the guys because some guys are older than me. I've sure. played against them. They know me. We're off season. They invite me out. Sure, know? sure. So I go out. 
Now, I can share this story because sure. it's a moment of growth for me. Sure. It gets busted. And then I, the next day, I can do two things. You know, and the head coach, uh, I still, I ended up staying at Ryan Hart, and I'm thankful for that. It's, he, he, he wasn't angry. He just said, I'm disappointed. And that was probably the hardest thing he could have said. I wish he was angry. Yeah. I wish he would have just shouted on the yeah. phone. But the fact that I let someone down who I really cared for really was like, hey, like that's a little wake up call for me. Yeah. And I was probably 22, 23 at the time. And so learning to, hey, you're there for the players and invest in them, because for me, it's the why I do it. You know, JG training, Tormenta, soccer in general, the why I do it is the investment in the individual. Not just, hey, let's say Adam, Adam the soccer player. No, you're Adam who's a human being outside uh -huh. of the soccer field. I just happen to be able to invest in you as a soccer player. And for me, that's what I learned at Ryan Hart. It's that opportunity to invest in college age players, but I don't need to be their best friend. Yeah. I can be their friend on the field, but outside of those white lines, that's when it shifts. What type of advice would you, because this is something that, you know, comes up in business all the time, right? Because like, you know, even me, I, I'm very close with my team members on in all the organizations. What advice would you give to a manager, right? Like that's like, you know, they just worked up through the ranks because that's usually what happens mm -hmm. is they kind of like grow and then they get put into a position of management. What advice would you give them? I think the advice you give is, obviously, if you've worked your way through so then it now becomes a little bit harder because that person who you were both on the same level, but now you're above them, how, how is that person going to view you? You've got to sit down and have a frank conversation, be sure. honest with them. But delegating, I think, is a key thing to do as a manager sure. because that person still sees you as, like, hey, they're still valuing me. Sure. There's still that value, but you also have to create separation, sure. a professional boundary being like, you know, what we used to do before, we can no longer do. Sure. Whatever that looks like for each manager or each person, because you've got to learn to earn that respect as a manager. And especially it's really hard when the person, you've both been the best mates. Yeah. You know, you've gone out or you've got to eat. You've got this routine where you're the best of friends. Sure. Because there's going to be a moment as a business person, as yourself or manager, that person mess messes up. Sure. Doesn't do the job you've asked for them. Yeah. How does that look? Mm. Are you able to sit them down and be like, hey, you didn't do X, Y, and Z. I need you to pick it up. Mm -hmm. And how does that person take it across? Is there going to be that? Who are you to tell me these things? Yeah. Or they're like, yeah, you're right. Mm. If they say, yeah, you're right, or they like feel like they need to bring up, bring up their A game, mm -hmm. it shows that you've now created that separation of professionalism, but you're still investing in them. Got you. So you're still caring for them on the human side, but it's creating a, a, a bit of a separation. Because yeah. I think separation is needed. Don't blur the lines. It's hard. It's hard. It's tough. Yeah. So uh, you 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 get to assistant coach. You kind of like you know have few blunders, not yeah. too many. Uh, what happens next? So I now have the decision of okay, do I keep playing on the summers because I was playing PDL, which is USL two, uh -huh. just because I love playing still. I still play on the side, like sure. adult leagues and stuff. And so John Meglarisi, who's another mentor of mine, who have been very blessed along my pathway to meet a lot of great mentors and coaches Huge. and people who have really invested in me you know and that's been really really cool you know and i'll explain a few other people along the way how do you that. find a good mentor i think someone who pushes you to get better which is straightforward you know mm -hmm. but they also match your worldview at times you know but you don't you don't need to have someone that hey you're doing a good job hey you're doing a fine job hey keep it up no someone who's if you get on a phone call with them they will ask you 
what have you gotten what have you done today mm-hmm. like, have you gotten better where where's your life mm-hmm. you know and they ask you stuff outside of the field sure and i think that's where you find a mentor who's invested in you mm-hmm. not so much invested oh where's you wh- what are you doing right now like yeah. where are you looking to go in the next five years and someone who's honest yeah and who's going to tell you the things you may not want to hear sometimes sure because they've got your best interest best interest at heart and that's how i think i've found a couple mentors along the way and you know one of my best friends gustavo shout out to him he's someone who we've known each other probably 10 11 since the age of 10 or 11 Mm -hmm. so there's and he's always shot me straight yeah and vice versa Uh so i think that's finding those circles or people in your circles that do that yeah and i think that's really really important yeah and so you know going back to your question is i play pdl john who has moved on from Tormenta, has asked me hey do you want to be my coach my assistant coach i was like uh, at Tormenta? no at west virginia so okay, this is so this, is so now, this would have been movie. 2016. okay so about two three years at reinhardt right yeah okay. so i was at two three years but then at reinhardt i also did my mba okay so i got my master's in business which Very for nice. a while i didn't use it it was sure. just hey a way for me to stay in the country sure. i was like sure i'll do another master's i'll do schooling again okay sure everyone <laughs> wants to do that right um but at the time you know when you're a foreigner and, you know god had a plan wanted me to stay here so mm-hmm. i ended up staying here a little bit longer so john then hey talks to joey because they're good friends does your your assistant want to be my assistant this summer i was like Ah, uh, sure, I'll do it. So I went to West Virginia, Hinton, West Virginia. Nothing there, but I'm used to it now. <laughs> if I, you know, doesn't phase you. Doesn't phase me anymore. Oh, there's there's multiple things you can do here? Yeah. yeah. And so I did that. That was awesome. Really learned at that moment where, because I wasn't sure, do I want to keep being an assistant coach or do uh-huh. I want to go to a Fortune 500 company? Or just with the MBA, With right? the MBA okay. or going to business. Wasn't sure. But that summer, I loved coaching that age range, which was guys who had the potential of going professional. Wow. Or had the mentality, I want to be a pro. Not and saying, not and saying this was happening at West Virginia, okay. Kings Warriors. So it was a summer team. So I went back to Ryan Hart, finished my MBA. Then John got the job here at Tormenta. And so he said, hey, do you want to be my assistant for USL2 2017? I said, sure. So I came over, um, you know, shout out to Darren and Nietzsche, you know, creating that Tormenta brand here and growing it and making something that's, some people would say, hey, this is really tough to do sure. and making it happen. You know, where we are now, no one could have said or imagined it in 2017 or 16 when they first started. Yeah. But, you know, credit to both of them and all the other ownership group people that had this vision. And so, which created a platform for people like me sure. to be able to say, hey, I'm a pro coach. That's you know, right. Yeah, it's a label. Uh-huh. But it's, it's kind of cool to say that you've done it um, or not done it, but you're still being able to improve and work. And we'll touch that in a sec. So John did 2017, 2018, USL2, and then Tormenta went professional 2019. And John said, hey, you want to come along with me? I said, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as football happens, as pro games happen, you know, John went to a different, you know, moved on. Yeah. So now enter Ian Cameron, who I think on the aspect of a football coach, X's and O's has Im- invested in me so much, has yeah. made me want to be better on the field. Yeah. You know, and off the field stuff, great. But it's just the on the field stuff it's stuff that he's pushed me. Wow. So when you talk about people that you want to surround yourself or you want to work for, it's, you know, every environment's got its tough things. But when you've got someone who's making you now polish your trait, yeah. that goes, because people always think, oh, who are the people that did the bulk? Mm-hmm. But who are the people sharpening it consistently? And, you know, I think that's what his role has been in me right now and to this day. And so that's kind of 
how the whole process with Tormenta has worked with me being with the first team. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're at, you know, entering 2023. This would be year f- season five for me, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, so season five of USL one. So really grateful. That's kind of how it all worked to be in here and sitting at the table with you. Love that. Uh, talk to me about Tormenta and what they accomplished this past year. So right. this past year, you know, a lot of people, and when you look at USL one and those that follow it, it's probably one of the years that was the closest. You know, small margins made a difference. Um, just like sports in general, we, I wouldn't say we got lucky because I don't. People say, "Oh, you got lucky, you got lucky." No, you make your own luck. Mm. You know, and I give credit to that whole crew that was here. You know, people who weren't in the camera, the behind the scenes, everyone who was involved. We were able to create this journey towards the back end where we had this run and you know fortunately not fortunately but we were able to make a good run in the playoffs and ended on winning the title for the first time for torment and hopefully that's the aim to do again you know we've we've laid kind of a blueprint but that's not hey we're going to repeat and no how can we get better you know what do we need to do you know how do we need to improve in my role in how what are the players that we're recruiting people behind us outside of us how do we keep getting better so Maybe we are the team that goes back to back this season, right? Yeah. You can only dream of that. But at the end of the season, can we look back and say, hey, we gave it all and the chips fall where the chips fall? That's right. Can you re- Do you remember the moment when... Yeah. yeah. Uh, Talk so to me about that. Just being there, you know, I still remember you see videos of it, you know, ball coming into Jamil Roberts' foot and he scores, Yeah. right? And you're just like, just the excitement and the fans and the screaming and shouting, just the atmosphere was unbelievable. Yeah, you know something that that's just a the standard now. You know we hope our fans keep coming and that's but they set such a great environment that night, both the Chattanooga fans and our fans. And I remember just the staff. And I I remember one moment towards the end of the game, we thought the ref had blew the whistle, and so we're already celebrating. And he blew the whistle for a foul. And we're like, hold on, wait, it's not, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Let's go. And, you know, and then once he blew the whistle, we're like, yeah. And so it's, it was a very good moment. But then once that, you know, the two, three days of enjoying it ends, it's like, okay, back to work. Yeah. You know, we want the players to keep enjoying it. So they do. But as a staff, and, you know, this is why I give credit to the whole staff is we've enjoyed it. We made, you know, with what we had, we made a very good journey. But now we go again. Mm-hmm. You know, we take a time, get your mental state right. You know, go be with your family, friends, enjoy that, recover, recharge batteries because we've got to go again. Yeah. And so it's it's cool to have that moment. It stays there. Now we look forward. And so that's kind of how those moments were. You know, Darren opened up the bar yeah. for us. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, I can't. I don't think I slept for two days straight. You know, we were there till three, four a.m. Yeah. The next day was the same thing, and yeah. it was just like. You know, you enjoyed the moment. Love that. And so that was, it was really cool. Really cool. I, I celebrate, you know, the success from Tormenta, um, you know, even just around town, the the whole place was a buzz, right? Everybody was like, oh my God, that was such an awesome thing. I I even had, you know, uh, people come up to me and say, okay, we're getting se- season tickets next. And that's the excitement that you yeah. guys were able to create. If there was one thing, like one thing that you could choose to point to and say, this is why, what do you think that that would be? I think the why, the one thing, I think it's the community, mm. the why we do what we do. The why Torment is here is to connect the community. Mm. You know, is through the game, yes. 
But it's more so, hey, you go to the game and you see someone you haven't seen for a couple of days. Yeah. That's the why. Yeah. We're connecting a community, but we're also connecting the kid who's in an academy that looks up to these guys and gets a high five them at the game, end of the game. That's the why. It's the connection that we get to create with the community. I love that. And you've actually done some connecting yourself with kind of like JG training. Yeah. So tell me about where that project came about. So that project came about, I would say, the summer of 2017. Mm-hmm. Now, JG training didn't come to fruition till COVID year. Yeah. Um, so 2017, you know, as everyone does, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, it would have been 2019. Sorry, 2019. I'm getting my days mixed up here. Okay. But 2019, so, you know, I have a couple kids who are saying, hey, do you want to do session? I was like, sure. You know, mm-hmm. two to three kids, but I had odd soccer balls. None of them match. I had one ladder and a couple cones, and cones were all sorts of colors, right? And that's kind of how it started. And so I started doing privates, and, you know, when everyone speaks is, oh, the financial piece. Yeah, there was, you know, I was doing <laughs> I was doing Ubering. Mm. I was, you know, charging the lamb scooters. And those that know me around town, that's, that was an excuse for me to jog, uh-huh. go pick up a lamb scooter, bring it back home, and jog again. That's uh-huh. how I got my miles. I'll just run around town grabbing the lamb that scooter. That is great. That's a great story, actually. The fact that you were able to kind of like pair uh, your kind of like workout, I yeah. guess you would consider mm-hmm. it, and with kind of like some way for you to make money, that's yeah. awesome. I love so that. So that's what I ended up doing. I would jog, get this lamb scooter, <laughs> ride it back. Okay, what's next? You know, uh-huh. get a couple miles in. And so did that, did Uber Eats, and part of it was the privates. And obviously I still work with Tormentor. And then as time wore on, I was there was a more of a, a growth in what I was doing. You know, people wanted to do it, want to be more in, involved in it. And I think for me, and that's kind of how it just blossomed into COVID year. You yeah. know, what tends to happen, everyone's locked in. Nothing you know, parents yeah. are like, okay, I need my kids to just go burn some energy. <laughs> okay. Here, here, here I am, yeah. you know. And so that was really cool because I would have a lot of sessions. Yeah. And then I, after that, it was like, okay, now I need to legitimize myself. Sure. I need to protect myself and, you know, all the business aspect of it. But it was like, I've I've grown from where I had odd soccer balls where I've got 12 soccer balls that all look the same. Yeah. Ladders, poles, cones. Like when people think of the equipment, it's like, it looks professional. Uh-huh. So we go from having, and I'm glad I had, you know, those moments of one ladder, maybe 20 cones and six odd soccer balls. <laughs> Made it work. Yeah. And you can. Yeah. Now I've got poles, mannequins, yes. you name it. Like it's a circus <laughs> show sometimes. Like I'm just like, there we go. But that's kind of how it started. Uh-huh. And for me, it's the investment in the individual. So my mission or like when you think, when someone asks me why, it's the investment in the individual off the field. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff is one-on-one. I do some group sessions, of course, but ultimately is I want to invest in the individual and make them a the best person they can be. Yeah. Now the soccer player is a byproduct. Sure. And a lot of people like when you know some kids start asking, "Well, you make so much money. Well, how like that? You uh-huh. know, kids, kids are kids. Yeah. You know, some absolutely. of the wildest things they uh-huh. say. But for me, I always, I always ask myself that question: Is yeah, I, n- I never even think about the money part. Mm. Yes, you business, you have to, but it's a byproduct yeah. because for me, is I'm more invested in you. Mm-hmm. How can I better serve you? When you pay me, you pay me, or whatever it is, I that's secondary to me. Sure. And a lot of parents know that. Some people may say, "Oh, he's he's bullcrapping right now." Yeah. See how to do the PG. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know that is a byproduct. I don't do it because of that. For me, it's like I said, I want to make the individual the best person they can be. 
you know, can that kid go to, and for, you know, JG training, yes, serves the purpose of improving the individual on the one-on-one level. But with my role with Tormenta is I kind of serve that role, be the catalyst. Hey, now you're set, let's go. Let's put you in a team. Let's mm-hmm. get you going. Because I can't provide the team environment that Tormenta does. Sure. So it's kind of the both and working. Yeah. And so for me is how can I make that individual be the best person they can be when they enter a team environment? Mm-hmm. Because when you think team environment, it's not just in a soccer field. Sure. When you go to class, you've got group projects. Are you going to be the individual that, because I was that individual sometimes, you know the person who does all the heavy lifting and you just lay back and you get your <laughs> Like, do you want to be known as that person? Yeah. Or do you want to be the person that, you know, puts, you know, the rack sack on and, hey, I'm in it with you. That's right. And that's kind of what I want to do with a lot of those kids. And, you know, there's been crazy stories. Yeah. You know, um, there's one time, the birds and the bees. Yeah. One kid asked me what I thought about that. Yeah. And... And I remember saying, hey, just give me like 10 seconds because I need to really be able to give you a good answer sure. because I wasn't expecting that. I'm setting up the grill in my <laughs> head thinking, hey, we've got a session plan. Yeah. But those moments, create, yeah. you know, that environment creates those stories. Uh-huh. You know, I'm able to connect with a lot of kids and not saying I, I, I am who I am and I've got my flaws, but it allows me to be a mentor to these kids that people have been to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of kids sometimes don't feel comfortable talking to their parents about things. Well, maybe they do, sure. but they also have someone else who I hope the parents trust that I'm also invested in their kid and going to, you know, try and advise them as best as I can to make them a better person. Yeah. If if there was some advice that you would have for someone that is interested in doing some sort of like training business, right? Um, what would you say to them? I think figure out your why mm-hmm. and how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Why you do it. If you do it for money it's not gonna last long mm. because money's gonna end at some point. Maybe your client can't afford it anymore. Sure. And then you're like, well, I'm not gonna work with you anymore. So if your focus is only money, you're gonna to run to a point that you're not gonna be happy anymore. Mm. And then how you're doing it is, how are you structuring your sessions or how are you making up your plan? Mm-hmm. Because if you just go in and you know shoot from the cuff, you're not prepared. Mm. So it's how you do it is what sets you apart as well because it's a service. Yeah. So if par- parents see it, kids know it. Yeah. Kids at this age, nine and ten, they've got access to a phone. They know when a coach is prepared. Sure. They know when someone's on it. Sure. They also know when they're not on it. Sure. So if you've got the kid who's nine telling their dad, mm, I don't think that coach was good today because your how wasn't on it. Yeah. So the why and how needs to be important. That's great. That's great advice. Um, let's talk about something that's kind of like uh, sensitive, maybe. Um, as a coach, are you able to identify whether or not someone has the ability? Like, mm-hmm. they, they got it, right? And, and what is your take on that, right? Do you think that everybody has the potential? Or do you think that that is just something innate? Um, I think, so, the U.S. system is amazing mm-hmm. because there's a college, right? You've got the college system. So that creates an opportunity for every kid to go to college, get a scholarship, get a degree. That ultimately ends up being the most important. So if we break it down to that, can every kid go to college and find a college that suits them? Yes. Okay. But now, to answer your question, there's a lot of kids, I want to be professional. Mm. And it happens more with the males. The, f- the females, yes, but that female game is still growing. Sure. So with males, I want to be a pro. There are kids that you can tell, hey, he's got it. Mm. Now I'm I've I've had frank conversations with the older kids. I'm not going to tell you you can't be a pro. 
because that's not fair for me to crush that dream for you. However, I will be realistic. For example, if you are 18 and you're still kind of just breaking maybe the third team or the second team, hey, like there's still an opportunity, but there's a don't fixate on just being a professional mm-hmm. because there's other routes you can take to get there. Yeah. What route? Okay, maybe I go to a Division two school. Maybe I go D1. Maybe I go NAIA. You crush it four years, then you enter the professional game a different route because mm-hmm. everyone's like, well, I'm 18. I'm going to go straight to be a pro. Yeah. Not not everyone can be that. Yeah. You know, it's not even the 1%. It's really tough. So it's how can you best serve yourself as an individual to give yourself that opportunity? And what I tell a lot of my players is as long as at the end of the day, when you say, hey, I'm no longer trying to chase a dream, you can look back and say, I gave it all I could mm. and the dream didn't happen. But you take all those lessons and move on to your next chapter. That is the biggest lesson you can have. Because, yes, we all want to have our names in the light. We all want to live that luxurious lifestyle sure. of a professional. Sure. But not everyone gets to do it. Sure. You know, and so if I'm telling all my kids, oh, yeah, you can be a pro, you can be a pro, I'm not serving them well. Mm-hmm. You know, I want them to be realistic with themselves and chase that dream. Mm-hmm. Go after it. Go 100% after it. And if it doesn't happen, lift your head up because your life continues. Like I said, you know, your, just because your soccer dream didn't happen doesn't mean life ends there. Like, for myself, yeah, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. I would love to be playing in the highest leagues. I was realistic. I knew it wasn't going to happen. But I'm so thankful for soccer because it got me where I am today. Mm-hmm. And it's that's what I want to teach the kids. Mm-hmm. You can use the skills you're learning. How do you apply them? Maybe some of you do go to play a top Division One, top D2, NAIA, D3, you name it. Awesome. Enjoy those four years. And then after that, maybe you do go and play professional. Awesome. For the ones that don't, how have you used all those moments and now where you're where you going next, mm. you know, and that's kind of where I am with it. I love that. I love that. How do people get in touch with you? How do, how do so you... most people just, you know, through town, I think Instagram, you know, it's what, what is the it? handle. So JG underscore underscore training. Okay. Uh, that's kind of the business one. Okay. And that's be the easiest way because I do have a personal one. Sure. That's blocked. And, you know, I usually <laughs> I leave it blocked. Just, you know, once we get to a stage, I'll accept you on sure, that one. Sure. Um, but that's kind of the best way most people can reach out to me. And then there's the website, jgtraining.net. Mm-hmm. That's ways. And, you know, I'm always open to conversations, meeting people. You know, if I can serve you, however best way I can, you know, I'm always happy for it. Yeah. You know? what, what's on the future? Like what's on the horizon? What's next for So JG we actually training? we actually just got uh, a little indoor facility done. Oh, really? Yeah, so okay. It's a 23 by 11, tiny space. Okay. But so much work can be done. So that's the next portion I've added to what I do with my players. So okay. like on the field stuff, but now we've got stuff that we do in a very isolated space. And those that know soccer is very micro movements, how you're opening your hips, weight of pass, angle, scanning, all these other things that you can do on a bigger field. But when you're on a, on a microscope, you can see it even more like, hey, like you're not opening your body enough. Gotcha. So that's kind of the newest thing that we've added uh-huh. to what we're doing. And, you know, we've got a couple of things that hopefully down the road we'll be able to put to fruition. But that's kind of the one we had in the works. And thankfully, we got it done. Super exciting. Yeah. Jorge, I have to thank you for coming on to the show. You know, I think what in our conversation, the thing that sticks out to me is that you um, you're a soccer coach, but the energy that you are putting into the people that are coming to you for training, you are saying that soccer is actually the byproduct. You're actually helping people grow as an individual 
And if the soccer comes, the soccer comes. But that is just simply a vehicle to help people improve. And I think that's such an inspiring thing because I think oftentimes we get so sidetracked. It's right, like, you know, what is the what, are, what what can I get? What can I get? But the fact that you're teaching people how to become better, that's amazing. We well, appreciate that. I love and thank that. you for having me. I love you know, that. It's been a great chat. Cool. All, All right. right. Cool. That's the show, appreciate man. It. Cheers. <laughs>